to talk about swimming. That was me when I was a baby, didn't they, Q? Yeah. That was about three weeks ago. You know, when you're joking. When I was doing CrossFit, <laughs> before I put on a bit of weight. Um, I remember a time when I was in primary school, just across the road, where they introduced swimming lessons for anybody. It was a long time ago, before a lot of years were even born, but some of you are old enough to remember this. Um, and we had to bring this farm home to get the parents to sign. I suppose it was in case one of us drowned or something that they wouldn't see at the school. But uh, we had to get this farm signed. And I remember standing at the table in the front room of our house. I didn't know what you call it, sitting room or kitchen. We call it kitchen. Um, and my dad signing the farm. I was probably about seven or eight. And in my head, I had this picture of jumping into a pool and swimming. And I thought it was just going to be like, you know, just jump in and I could see myself doing all of this. And like you see on the telly or whatever. And that was all great. And then I landed at the pool. Okay? And I nearly wet myself getting into the pool. It was like, I got wet anyway from the water. But like, I got totally overwhelmed in the swimming pool. For loads of different reasons. It was so big. I was seven or eight, so I was only... wasn't much smaller than I am now, but it was skinnier. Okay? Um, but it was so cold. It was so big. It was so... Um, it was really scary. Really scary. And, and the, all the excitement that I had about jumping into this pool disappeared in a second. Because of the reality of being in it. Um, and then a teacher was there, this woman was there, and she was like trying to get us to, to calm down and um, try to teach us how to maneuver in the water and how to walk in the water and then eventually try to teach us how to swim. And, and I did learn to kind of swim. I won't say I swim, but I kind of swim. Um, but I have still at this stage when I go into a pool, I will try and stay within my depth. I don't like getting out of my depth in a pool. I'll do it if, if there's no kind of choice, but I'd rather not. I'd rather be kind of in that place where I feel comfortable, where I feel safe, where I feel in control to a certain degree. And what came to me was, when I was thinking about this, was where in my relationship with Jesus do I treat him like I treat a swimming pool? And that I only get in so far but I want to stay safe and I want to stay comfortable. And I want to stay in control. And that little video probably wasn't fair putting that on before the announcements were on. But that speaks volumes to me. Because the times that Jesus has asked me to trust him are the times when I can't see him standing there ready to catch me but I want to see him standing before I take the step of trust. And the reality of it is, when I have taken that step, he has never, ever let me down. He's always caught me, always. But when I haven't taken that step, he's never rejected me, but I've lost out on something. I've lost out on an opportunity to grow. I've lost out on an opportunity to experience something that I couldn't experience unless I was willing to make that step into the dark. Yeah? You got a great round of applause for doing the announcements. I just want to say that. You missed it. There's a scripture in the book of Ezekiel that, that's been kind of going around in my head the last couple of weeks. And um, 
And this kind of follows on from where we've been talking about the last couple of weeks as well. And especially last week where I believe we are called to soar. We're not called to be chickens. We're not called to crawl around on the ground eating dirt. We're called to soar above the clouds and above the storms with the Holy Spirit holding us and bringing us there. And this scripture in Ezekiel is in um, Ezekiel 47. It's one of the prophets in the Old Testament. And I'm going to read it to you. It's, it's a little bit. It's not long. It's a few minutes. Just bear with me. It'll make perfect sense when I'm finished, I promise you. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. And the water coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and then led me through water that was ankle deep. A thousand cubits is about 450 meters. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. And then he measured off another thousand and he led me through water that was up to the waist. And then he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that he couldn't cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern regions region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the sea and when it empties into the sea the water there becomes fresh and swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows there will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh so where the river flows everything will live fishermen will stand alongside the shore from El Gadi to an Eglem or somewhere and there will be places for spreading nets the fish will be of loads of kinds like the fish of the great sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh, where they will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. Every month they will bear, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them, and their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. Sorry, this scripture is talking about a river, a life-given river, flowing out of God's temple. And everywhere it goes, it brings life. It does something. It changes things. It takes dead things and it makes them alive again. And you know what? I thought this was probably the most beautiful illustration of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives if we let him. Because if we let him, the scripture promises that rivers of living water can flow through us. So everywhere we go, we can bring life. But we have that choice whether we bring life or we don't. Whether we let that river flow through us or not. I want to think, could you just imagine for a second, close your eyes, and just imagine the Holy Spirit, but imagine a river. Imagine, the Liffey's probably not a great example, not in town, but up forward, or up near Chapel, where it looks nice. Imagine the life on each side of the river. It's amazing, actually, now, if you, if you go around, um, there's a little park down the road, Puddle Park, we used to call it, and there's a little tiny river running through it, and most of the grass is as brown as anything. It's burdened off. But within about 10 feet of that river, it's green. We're in about 10 feet of that river, there's life that there isn't where the river isn't flowing. I remember many years ago we were in Egypt and, and on the Nile, they were in the desert, but where the Nile went, within a half a mile of either side of the Nile, there was green and there was life. But outside of that, where the river flowed, it brought life. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit flowing through lives? Think of the dead things that are in your life. Think of the dead things that are in your friends' lives, your family's lives, your, your workmates' lives, your community's life, our community's life. 
that river of life can flow through that. The Holy Spirit can come through here and it can make a difference. But he'll do it through us if we let him. And here's the thing about a river. We can choose to respond in several different ways. Just the same as I can if I see a swimming pool. If you go on holidays, um, you don't really see them here much because we don't go out much to swimming pools. But if you go on holidays, they'll have this little baby's paddling pool and then they kind of have a mediocre pool and then they have a swimmer's pool. You know them kind of things? You go to them fancy hotels. But here's the thing, when we get to that river or we get to that pool, we can decide to stay on the bank and just look in. We can look at other people swimming. We can look at other people paddling. We can look at kids having a great time, but I can stay dry. I don't have to step into it. And you know what I have seen year after year after year, and I've met with I don't know how many people who would come, who would experience God walking in other people's lives, who'll go, yeah, there's something there, all right, but it's not for me. I don't think that's for me. And they stand at the pool, or they stand at the side and they look at other people in the river, or they look at other people in the pool and they go, but that's not for me. And that's not true, because I've never stood at a paddling pool anywhere where there was a sign saying, Brian can't get in. Never. But I've had a sign in my head saying, that's not for me. I'm not getting in there. And the river of God is just like that. We have a choice to get in, or we have a choice to stand on the side and watch. How many times, I don't know how many times I have sat with people who have looked at other people's lives, moving with God, and going, that's all right for them, but it's not for me. That's a lie it is for you. There ain't no one special. The only reason that any of us are special is because God lets us be special. But we cooperate with him. We move with him. We do it. We take them steps like that woman did, only we take the second step as well. But you have to get in first. Then the next place that he brought him, where the river went ankle deep. And the bit I think we need to know about this as well is a thousand cube, it's a half a kilometer. It's not that far, but it's far enough. You take a step and then you walk in that step for a little while. Then you take another step and you walk in that step for another while. Then you take another step and you walk in that step for another while. We spent two hours yesterday practicing three songs. Is that right, Sergei? Both of us hands killing us. He took a small step. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't taking the lead. He took a step. Ushie in the same. Practiced. Took a small step. We take a step. We learn in that step. And then we move into the next one. God won't ask us to go beyond what we're ready for. But he'll often know we're ready for something that we won't know we're ready for. And he'll often want us to step into something that we're kind of going, don't know about that one. Yeah, I think you might have got it wrong here. I always think that's hilarious when I say that to God because when I think back then who God is. And they go, yeah, you're Egypt, you're Brian. But anyway, if we step in ankle deep, okay? So these are kind of like when I stepped in. I remember the first few weeks going to St. Mark's and looking at people who were Christians. Actually, probably before that. Looking at people in the river, we would have known Christians. And we weren't Christians. This would have been at the time when we were sitting at home slagging the crap out of them. Um, and just thinking they were all wackos and mad. But then we stepped, I stepped in ankle deep and I started attending a church. I started going to a service on a Sunday morning. And I was getting a bit wet. I was getting splashes. If you stand in, in a paddling pool with kids, you'll get splashed. You'll get wet. Do you know what I mean? Most times you won't want it because them splashes feel colder than, than anything else. But we get splashes, but we're not in there. 
We're just standing in the pool, still looking at others who were getting involved in it. And then the next thousand cubits brought them into something that was knee-deep. And I think at this stage, people, and I know I did, I made a decision for Jesus. And I decided in my head I, was, I would believe he was real. And I decided to give it a chance that this could just do something in my life and change things. And I started to walk as best as I could with what I had of him and of the Holy Spirit. And I, I, made, I said a prayer and I committed my life to Jesus. And then I started trying to purposefully, like I was talking about last week, somehow or other every day, whether it was something like that word for the day or something, but somehow every day, trying to find something that I can connect with him through. But I hadn't had the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's described in a few different places. There's three scriptures in Acts. You just throw them up there for a second, Tony, for me. One after the other. Acts 1 and 5 says, For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 1 8 says, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. And 2 4, Acts 2 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So I'm in, kind of, I'm in now. I might need to turn this down. I'm in knee deep. I'm into a place where I'm committed, but I'm still inside my depth. I'm still in control. I've even prayed and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Could be speaking in tongues. Could be seeing God do great things, but I'm still in control. I'm still holding on here. And then it can go in waist deep. The next bit was waist deep. And I was thinking there used to be a pool in Terranua that we used to go to with a gang of teenagers. And um, I had this kind of slope from the three foot to the six foot. Okay? So, and it was a fairly gradual slope. It's in Terranua College up there. I don't even know if it's still there. But you could walk in up to about here and feel like I was being real adventurous. But I could still walk out again if I wanted to. So I still had that sense of, I'm not out of control here. I'm, I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm even comfortable up to here and more. There's no fast current around going to drag me out. But I'm okay up to here. I could even stand on my toes if I had to. But I could walk out. I had the control to walk out. But then there was this place in the middle of the six foot. Where there's no bar... There's no grounds. And there's no safety. And I have to trust the very water that I'm afraid of to hold me up. The very thing I'm afraid is going to kill me is the very thing that will hold me up if I trust it. And I relax in it. And I allow it to. And when he's talking about getting to that place, the waters are over your head. And when we get to that place, we're talking about being totally surrendered to God. I am out of control. My control, but not out of his control. Not out of, not in madness, not in stupidity, not in doing things because I just have crazy ideas. But I have surrendered to God. And when I get to that place, like that girl, do you trust me? 
look at me, now fall back. I look at him, and I take the step to fall back. And when I tell you something, that is terrifying. I'm not going to try and tell you, it's not, it's terrifying. But it's also the most exhilarating thing you can ever do in your life, because it's what we were made for. We were made to walk with God. We were made to live in his plan for our life. We were made to live in excitement. And if everything is inside of your control, there's very little to be excited about. If every day is the same humdrum that it was yesterday, what's there to be excited about? Where's the adventure in that? Where's the, where's the call of God in our lives pulling us into something much bigger than who we are? You'll never, ever reach the potential that's inside of you unless you're willing to get out of the comfort zone that you live in. I'm going to tell you something. Even motivational speakers will tell you that. They won't even quote the Bible. They'll take the truth from the Bible, but they'll just use that as a motivational speech and say, you can never have more than what you've got unless you're willing to go to a place you're not in now. You can never earn more money in a job until you're willing to do more work than you're able to do now. Or take on more responsibility than you're able to do now. You can never have a better relationship with anybody until you're willing to give more into that relationship than you do now. I can never be fit until I'm willing to go running or walking or whatever. I can never have more until I'm willing to step into it. And with God, it's the same. He doesn't bait us into doing things. He gives us chances. He gives us options. He goes, do you want to have a go at this? It's going to scare the living daylights out of you, but it'll be great crack. But it will be great crack. It'll be great crack looking back at it. At the time, it will scare the living daylights out of you. I'm not joking. It scares the living daylights out of me. Most days. But I've never, ever been let down by God. Never. Any time. Now, when I tell you something, I've done stupid things that I tried to blame God on, and he's up there going, I didn't ask you to do that, Brian. So, you have to kind of have your head on. I'm not talking about being stupid, Brian. I'm talking about being led by the Spirit and listening to him. See, the early church, if you read the book of Acts, the early church was full of this life. Everywhere they went, there was mad things happening. There was people getting saved, healed, delivered. There was all kinds of things happening. Because that river of life was flowing through them. 3,000 people in one day got saved. 3,000 people in one service, not even in a day, in one preaching. I think I'd have retired after that one. I don't know how Peter went down from there. But like 3,000 people, imagine that. If we had 20 people got saved in here, we'd be all lying down dead. We'd be going, what happened? Here's the thing. If we have a gospel that's intellectualized, that's all our head, and it's all like, I can prove this, I can prove that, I can prove that. Even if someone makes a decision on that, they're only ever going to go in ankle deep. They're only ever going to go in ankle deep. And here, when I tell you something, in ankle deep is better than new. I used to say I'd rather get into heaven with a smell of smoke at me than not get in at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd rather be in there. But you know what? Like, ankle deep is nice, but it's not what you were made for. It's not what's available. It's a Pentecost experience. If you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it might bring you in waist deep. 
I know loads of people who are baptized in the Spirit can speak in tongues, can speak in Greek and Hebrew. They're still not living all that God gave them or all that could live if they stepped into it. But the overwhelming life of the Spirit is found in those who like the Bible writers. There's a scripture from 2 Peter that says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that's where we're baptized, we're filled, but we're surrendered. It's beyond just some conversation about someone praying with you and praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's about somewhere in my heart or in your heart, you making a conscious choice that it's like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to fall back. There ain't no one behind me, but even if nobody catches me, I'm going to fall back. And the places where I know when, when I came to them places in life, where God said, fall back, Brian. And I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me just like that girl. And he's saying, fall back. And I'm going, but like, there ain't nothing there to fall back to. And what happens if? And all he ever said to me was, what happens if isn't really your concern. Right now, the question is, how deep are you willing to go? And I could have stayed where I was. There was nothing to stop me staying where I was. I wouldn't have loved me any less. He wouldn't have accepted me any less. I'd still be going to heaven. But I would never have seen the miracles that he's allowed me to see. I would never have experienced the stuff he's allowed me to experience. I would never have, physically I would have never traveled like I've traveled. I would have never had the opportunity to talk to people, to see people's lives changed, to pray with people and see miracles happen. I would never have had them opportunities. But he still would have loved me. And he'll still love you no matter what. You can't change how much he loves you. You can't change how much he accepts you. That's all done by the blood of Jesus. But what we can change is whether we reach the destiny that he has available for us. By the decisions that we make. We can decide to soar with the eagles or we can decide to stay pecking the ground with the chickens. But that's our choice. Where the river of God flows, everything will live. And here's a brilliant one. Where it empties into the Dead Sea, the waters there become fresh. All that is now stagnant, stale, and lifeless can be brought to fresh and vibrant life by the Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. If, if honestly, if I believe that stuff, then that means if we can get the river of God flowing through us, even though we're around loads of dead stuff, and when we talk about dead stuff, some of that language is very kind of airy-fairy stuff, but just think about in your life, there's dead relationships. They mightn't be yours, but they're people around you that you love and care about. There's people whose bodies are decaying. There's people whose finances are dead. There's people who have all kinds of pressures and stresses coming at them, and it's killing them and killing them and killing them. And we have this opportunity to bring a river of life and bring life into that dead place and bring hope into a place where there was no hope. And you can't buy that stuff. That only comes from God. And it's for every one of us. There ain't some special elite force of commandos that God has that brings the river of life. That's for everyone. Every single person. And the last, because I'm out of time. The fruit of the trees of all kinds will bear every month and they will never fail because the water of the sanctuary flows to them. I want to see fruit from my life. I want, when I'm there, here's a question for you. I want you to go home and think about this one, right? 
we're all dead and gone, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for someone who the river of life flowed through. I want to be remembered for someone that when people rubbed off of me, they got a bit of life. And they won't get that if they rub off of Brian, off the old Brian. I can tell you that for now, for nothing. They get lots of death. But if they rub off the Brian that has the Holy Spirit flowing through them, they'll get life. But to get that, I need to stay in the river. I need to fill up on the river so that it can flow out. And I just want to finish with this. Jesus equated the river of living water to the Holy Spirit being inside of us. And I kind of quoted it earlier, but just let me read this for you and then we finish. It's from John 7. It says, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him and her. By this he meant the spirits whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would flow out of us if we believed in him. And what I want to ask you today is where are you at with the river? Are you standing on the edge looking in at other people being wet? Are you in the paddling pool? Are you in the three foot? Are you in the five foot? Are you in the six foot? Have you jumped into the Blessington Lakes? Oh, that's probably only five foot up there now at this stage, but anyway. Where are you at? Where are you at with the river? And do you want to move in more? If you're standing on the edge, then where are you at with Jesus? If you're in a place where you don't know him, if this doesn't resonate with you, if all this stuff is kind of like, that's for them, I don't get it, then today could be the day you get it. You can have it. It's only a matter of making a decision. You don't need anyone to pray with you. You don't need anything to happen. You just need to sit there and go, Jesus, I want to get in the river. I want to get into this place with you. If you want to go beyond that place, you can be in the ankle deep one, you can be in the knee deep one, you can be swimming. But that choice is yours. But I want you to know, leaving here today, that God wants you to know you have that choice. He will not push you. He'll call you. But he won't be outside with a whip driving you into it. Or a taser or a cattle prod. He'll just be in there going, do you want to come in and have a swim? Because the water is scary, but exciting. The water is even warm. But it's life. And that life is available to you and to me. So as you go home, and as you leave this place, and as you go into the rest of this week, I want to ask you to really consider how far in the river you are and how far you want to go. Because all the life around you or all the world around you could do with you being in over your head. Amen. You can do with all of us being in our head. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, today. Thank you for the people you have gathered in this room. I don't think it's an accident that we're here. Lord, your presence is here. You can feel that. I can feel it. It's not just some nice atmosphere. It's the presence of God. And it's not here to upset you or condemn you or to put you down. 
but it's here because Jesus wants to wrap his arms around you and wants you to know that he loves you with an everlasting love. That he has a plan for your life and it's not a plan that he wants to hurt you or to upset you, but he wants to give you an opportunity to grow into all that he created you to be. So right now, let me just take five seconds and say to you, please close your eyes, everybody. And just mind our own business. And I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up in the air. I just want to ask you, take 10 seconds in your heart. And you ask Jesus, how far in can I go, Lord? What's my next step? Lord, today I believe that you have people who want to move into that next place. That you have placed it within our hearts. You have set eternity deep down inside of us. There is a destiny in every one of us to be more than we were ever up to now. Every single one of us, there is always more with you. So Lord, right now I pray that you would just explode people's imaginations. Explode their consciousness of you. Explode the fact of how real you are in their life every single day, not just here, not just in a fuzzy-wuzzy moment on a Sunday morning, but, Lord, when they wake up on a Monday, when they wake up on Tuesday, when they go through that tough time on Wednesday with their family or with their job or with their health or whatever it is, let them know that you are there holding them, oh God, that they will never fall outside of your hand. They can never fall outside of your hand. Let their imagination explode with how amazingly huge you actually are. And how amazingly huge the life we can have is if we will but fully surrender to you. Lord, I pray your blessing on your people. I ask that you would make your face shine on them. I ask that you would encourage them and strengthen them. Heal those who need healing. Lift up the faces of those who are downcast. Encourage those who are trying to to deal with family situations that are really killing them. But Lord, above all, I pray you pour your grace and your mercy and your love into each and every one of us and make your face shine on us. And let us know that we are your reflection in this world and that your rivers of living water flow through. And I ask it in Jesus' name.